นโมทัสสะปะกะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะปะกะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะปะกะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนามสามิเ
these refuges are in the teachings which the Buddha gave are, are skillful means to help uh, facilitate this homecoming, this waking up to what is ever shining, ever peaceful, ever vital at the heart of our being. Important dimension, very important dimension of this homecoming is how Don emphasized uh, this morning the welcome, welcome. That attitude of as we plunge into this uh, experience with limitation, limitation of uh, limiting distractions in terms of our renunciation of uh, devices. We could have the Saturday night uh, (laughs) Netflix samadhi. Kitty saw I get in Samadhi when I watch Netflix. I think I do too, but is that is that the Samadhi that's conducive to awakening? It can have its blessing. But in, in giving up our devices and having the noble silence and having the simplified Activity of sitting and walking and and stretching, highlighting this being present for and this important guideline of welcome. An important dimension of welcome is, is this attitude of kindness, this being willing to be friendly with what's emerging. Making that effort to be okay, to be well with what's coming and going. In these first days, this is 24 hours, one day and night, since we started the retreat, these first few days can be challenging because we're metabolizing, digesting, facing, meeting, and with a welcome encouragement, being well with what comes and goes, we're having the opportunity to, I like this word, metabolize undigested restlessness undigested, unacknowledged exhaustion. Any of us. (laughs) 
It's a lot to keep up nowadays with, for many of us, just keeping up with the, the duties, responsibilities, the concerns, the, the admin, the, the, the keeping the body going, the, the, the uh, functioning within the system. with our livelihood. Sometimes when we stop, a wave of undigested exhaustion appears. Well, you know, we could just, you know, quadruple the caffeine, kitty. (laughs) That's a strategy. But, you know, kindly exhaustion, you know, to receive that, breathe with that. Remember when I said that when, when awareness is not distorted by grasping and aversion, by greed and ill will, awareness that's, that's not twisted by that has the nature to bless as the nature to heal, as the nature to put back into balance. Not because we're doing it. It's awareness is the nourishing matrix, the ground within which our experience manifests. And there's a, I've been pushing myself a lot recently at, at 70 years old. I went, I had got the call to go back to school. I went back to doing a master's course at the Dharma Realm Buddhist University and uh, keeping up with the younger crew is challenging. But I'm, Enjoying the effort, enjoying continuing to learn. I have noticed some exhaustion. So I've, without beating myself up, uh, some sessions today, I mindfully receive the exhaustion. It was hard to sit up. I trust awareness. I love awareness. There's times when I just lay down, each out breath, feel the support of Mother Earth, and then the awareness just cradles as one's breathing in and out, the fatigue, the exhaustion, as that's metabolized, it's welcomed, as we welcome with kindness, as it comes and goes and vibrates and expands and contracts, it's with the nature of awareness to bless, awareness that's undistorted when it touches something, touches a form, touches a mood. The vibration is very subtly quickened, refined. It's a patient process. Undigested restlessness, that getting on to the next thing. 
tendency to multitask undigested impatience undigested whatever dread something's uh, coming up it's It's not been, it's coming up to our Western teacher, Ajahn Sumaito, talked about the orphans of consciousness. That, uh, you know, sometimes these, in these first few days, things we don't particularly necessarily want to see, but we can just smash them back down into the dungeons. Triple the caffeine. You do your welcome, kitty. I'm off to Nibbana as we're leaning forward. But that's precisely the endless becoming that the, the Buddha called samsara. You realize that actually this very awareness itself has these treasures within it, but they're overlooked. When we're so busy going forward, so busy pushing things away. This arriving, it's a profound concept. Even though we talk about a path from suffering to the end of suffering. It's a way of talking. It's more and more, perhaps profoundly, uh, more profoundly arriving. To this present moment, The tool that we were offered uh, in our instruction uh, this morning, the by dawn, the mindfulness of breathing, very profound. Another reason why I just had to start this evening, Namotasa Bhagavato. Homage to the blessed ones and to the teachers and to the refuge and to the community of practitioners. It was 46 years ago. Pretty much this time of year. So it's a little bit over 46 years ago I met Ajahn Chah. I'd taken a leave of absence from Oxford University. I was writing a thesis, postgraduate 
degree just to learn something. I was going to go back to medical school after that fellowship ended. But I was writing a thesis on art, science, and mysticism in the works of Aldous Huxley. It's like art, science, mysticism. I How to bring it all together, the creative, the science, investigative, the, what is really here, the profound mystical. I didn't know what the word really meant. And because I was uh, tripping over my own loneliness and inner critic, I was a Rhodes Scholar but felt stupid. I was... Everything I said didn't really feel true. I noticed the tendencies within myself that were mean. I knew I had some good points. It was suffering, and just even hearing there was an enlightened forest monk in northeast Thailand. One thing in my life I'm grateful for, I've always realized that a good teacher is a blessing. It's a blessing to have a good teacher. And I realized that though I was good at taking exams and getting good grades, that didn't mean I was good at being happy and peaceful and understanding what led to well-being. So I, I, I th- thought I was being humble. I had done a 10-day meditation retreat, and on that 10 days, even though the first three, four days was hell, I did have a breakthrough on the fourth day and had some peace. Everything was shining and peaceful. And so I figured, well, if there's... Three ten day, three tens or thirty, so that's three ten day retreats in a month. A lot can happen in a month, so a year. Wow, a lot can happen in a year. I figure if I give myself a year, two years in Thailand, I should blow the lid off this enlightenment thing. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was sort of humble. I gave myself a second year. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, you know, that was a pretty comprehensive 10-day retreat that I did. I mean, we were sitting from morning to evening, so when Ajahn Chah asked me about my meditation, I was fairly confident about it. And I think he could also see I was just trying to do too much with my art, science, and mysticism and the works of Aldous Huxley. And he wasn't that impressed. 
In fact, and I did, I mean, I had hoped. I mean, I was so inspired by Ramdas when he met his guru, Sri Neem Kroli Baba Maharaj. And Maharaj had tapped Ramdas on the head and tears and insight. And I just was sort of, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I was hoping Ajahn Chah maybe would tap me on the head or at least recognize I had potential. And uh, so right in the middle when he asked me about my meditation of me explaining, he was on his wicker chair. He got down off the chair and onto the floor on all fours and started sniffing around like a preoccupied dog that was, you know, very focused on something. (laughs) But... um, and everybody was laughing, and it was comical. And then he, he got finally off the floor, sat back in his chair, smiled at me warmly, and he said, uh, just be with your breathing. If you understand one thing well, you'll understand everything. If you try to understand everything, you might end up understanding nothing thoroughly. And he said, let Sumato teach you how to be a monk. Be with your breathing. You understand one thing well, you understand everything. If you try to understand everything, you might end up not understanding anything thoroughly. I did. I stayed on, ordained, stayed in his, learned from Ajahn Sumato and my fellow monastics. Stayed 15 years. And now 46 years later, I still appreciate the simplicity, the profundity of no matter what's happening, how complicated it gets, all these difficult decisions and complex currents, to be able to whatever's happening to pause, remember, realign with what's the Buddha called the first foundation in mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. It's always in present time, the body. It's always here. Our thoughts can get so lost in what might, or entangled in what did, and we don't want that, and Coming to the body, breathing in and out. All these years later, realized just the rejuvenating, aligning, blessing, clarifying power of 
that simplicity. What does the breath teach us? It arises and ceases. It swells and subsides. It's going in, it's going out. It's longer and shorter. Cooler, warmer. We learn from the breathe, breathing that what arises ceases, what begins ends, and that lesson we learn from breathing is actually true of every sight, every sound, every mood, every impulse, every circumstance vibrates, shifts, arises, and dissolves within an ever-present, unmoving Wakefulness. Notice these. Just go slowly, but the first page of our booklet is the teaching the Buddha gave on being with the breathing. Anapanasati. Sati is mindfulness. Anapana, breathing in, breathing out. Mindfulness of the in and the out breath. When the Buddha is talking to his disciples, to the to the monks, and his, he says monks, because but he's including all practitioners. He's including us. Because when mindfulness of breathing is developed and cultivated, it is of great fruit and great benefit. When mindfulness of breathing is developed and cultivated, it fulfills the four foundations of mindfulness. Fulfills the seven enlightenment factors. Fulfilling true knowledge and deliverance. How is mindfulness of breathing developed and cultivated so that it is of great fruit and great benefit, having gone to a forest, to the root of a tree, to an empty hut, to a beautiful center like this, where we have some space to practice. Having fold the legs crosswise, keeping the body erect, establish mindfulness in front, Making mindfulness important. Mindfulness to the fore. This quality of presence, attentiveness. Mindful one breathes in and mindful one breathes out. Breathing in and out long, one understands. I breathe in, out long. Breathing in, out short, one understands. I breathe in, out short. This understands, it's another translation, could knows. It's talking about an inherent, innate, 
essential quality that knows when the breath is coming in, knows when the breath is coming out. That knowing nature, what Ajahn Chah called puru in Thai, puru, the one that knows. The mantra that Don shared with us this morning that can be, that help us being with the breathing, Bhutto, it's the one that Ajahn Chah and many of the forest masters use. B-U-D, Bhutto, Bhutto. There's the historical Buddha, Buddha like with a capital B, Bhutto, small b, nominative case. It's talking about in here. This, this Buddha, this wakefulness, this inherent capacity of the heart, even if we tried to turn it off, how do you turn it off? Kitty sorrow, too much work, I quit. I'm just not going to meditate. Done. If a sound comes, do you register it? That knowing, I quit. You still, do you register the sound? I'm not trying to meditate. Does one still recognize the in-breath? The out-breath? The knowing is inherent. What knows that we're sitting? What knows that we're lying down? What knows that there's an in-breath? What knows that there's an out-breath? The knowing, Bhutto, that's the refuge, that's the primary, the Buddha said, the most essential, trustworthy, abiding, Buddha, Dhamma, knowing knowing what? We, we know the nature, what's arising. As we're metabolizing these undigested tendencies, we're, these are dharmas, these are moods, feeling tones that we can bless. And by our effort to welcome, to be patient with, as we breathe with and through, it allows these uh, dharmas to be metabolized, balanced, all within a, a ground that's, even though the in-breath comes and goes, even though the sound of my voice appears and dissolves, in between the sounds, isn't the knowing nature still present? We don't just keel over. 
the knowing nature registers the sound, registers the silence, registers, knows, understands the in-breath, the out-breath. So the first steps of this is just reconnecting with this inherent. It's called using our wisdom. We're not having to get anything from out there. That's the very notion, no, 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 I've got to get it. We're being encouraged to access these inherent treasures of the heart that are in here. Simple. And encouraging us to even just know a long breath, a short breath. But because of tendencies to get on to the next thing, it's easy, it's easy to get lost, easy to get distracted. Ajahn Chah encouraged us to use that long breath from time to time if we're feeling lost. Feeling distracted, just take a few conscious, long in-breath and out-breath. Receive again that blessing, offering, and especially here out in nature. We're so lucky to be here. Receive that blessed gift from Mother Nature as we breathe in. And on that out-breath is we're relaxing the forehead, the eyes, the shoulders, the body. Allow the blessing of that in-breath to suffuse the body. As we relax, feeling Mother Earth holding us, as we're realigning with this first foundation, this first reference that the Buddha says is so helpful for establishing and training ourselves to stay with this refuge, this inherent capacity of knowingness, of understanding, and not so much the understanding of some kind of intellectual knowledge, more an immediate, that which knows right now. How how do we know we're, we're leaning How do we know we're cold? How do we know we're thirsty? How do we know we're suffering? A few long breaths can help us return. And the Bhutto we're not used to it. I mean, for now, that syllable is so pleasing to me because it each each but is like a a bubble, a bud that flowers. Butto actually is what happens when the sun hits a flower. Bodeti, it opens to the sun. The the butto is the is a word that. A sound that refers to this wakeful, open dimension of being, which is awake, 
the part of, part of us that's always awake, that knows. Buddha. So a mantra, when we're not used to that, it can be quite strange. Well, well, because we like thinking about this and thinking about that. And... But I've been thinking lots that I want to think for decades, and where is it in me up in knots a lot of times? So the mantra is a way of training the heart to rather than thinking the million things, it's a sound, it's a, a word, a phrase. It protects the mind, helps guide the mind back to something essential. In this case, the mantra is continually guiding us back to the refuge, to this Buddha nature, essential nature, this timeless nature. And as as so we as we breathe in Bud and out To, this inner sound of the mantra mingles with the sensations. So in being with the breathing, rather than sometimes, uh, Don skillfully was that reminding us that sometimes you know being with the breathing just doesn't work for everybody. I mean, sometimes we think I've got to watch the breathing and just it's a battle, kitty. <laughs> I think it's easier to think in terms of being with the breathing. Remember, this knowing nature is, is, is wide. In a sense, the body is bathing in, in awareness. It's being with the experience of an in-breath. The experience of an in-breath happens within awareness. Rather than so much of me watching something, I'm getting, getting tired just thinking that thought. But being with. And if it does feel too tight, then as Don was suggesting, sometimes we can just listen, let sound help us stay present. But within the wider, it sounds very global, listening. Within that, there still is body within that listening. Or even noticing hands and feet is... Also noticing the body. Actually, the whole body's breathing. The breath that the Buddha spoke about, there's the mechanical breath, you know, air coming in, air coming out. That's just the surface dimension of breathing. I was with you so far, Kitty, but uh, sorry, but you know... What are you talking about? Well, if we stop breathing, I'm independent. I don't need anything or anyone. It's, it's an attachment, breathing. What's that uncomfortable feeling that's building up? Gosh, it's permeating an uncomfortable feeling. It's getting stronger. And then if I breathe in, 
feel the flush, the subtle breath brings the, this vitality, suffusing. Yes, there's mechanical breathing, important dimension of breathing, but then the, the breath energy vitalizes all these channels. At first, as one breathes in and out, with the, with the mantra encouraging wherever we're comfortable being with the breathing, Ajahn Chah quite liked the nostrils at first. For me too, at least we can find it. Maybe not for everybody. Some people maybe find the chest or the belly easier to access it. Certainly my nose, which was a source of me being kidded when I was a kid a whole lot. I had an English teacher that used to say, Son, you've got a nose like the keel of a ship. I said, thank you for that. I needed that. But in mindfulness of breathing, it can be... Who would have thought that... But the notice on the in-breath, if the nostrils one can notice, especially in this weather, the in-breath tends to be a bit cooler. Then on the out-breath, when the air is warmed a bit in the lungs, on the out-breath a little warmer. That knowing nature registers cool and warm, long and short. But one can be with the breathing, for example, at the nostrils, Mixing it with the butto and that sound of the mantra just reminds one what one's doing, be awake. Then that, and maybe we forget, but we do that sometimes. Have you noticed that if you're doing something that you want to really focus on, like, have you ever found yourself internally intoning steady? And then that word stops. It's just a phrase to remind us, steady. Like if you're threading a needle, we can steady. That phrase just directs the attention, but then it's not too loud. It's just enough to remind the heart to stay what one's doing. So it supports the activity, for example, of threading the needle, or similarly... A mantra, it's a technical word for it, the Buddha called it a vitaka, a, a guiding thought. But rather than a kind of thought that's just an essay that lets us get lost in something else, breathing is so amazing, and it might be, but we're not then doing mindfulness of the breath. A shorter, moderating thought like steady or just in and out, or why I like Buddha is it's a thought that reminds us just to be present. And it reminds us that we're not going somewhere else. We're surrendering, resting more deeply in this ground, home ground of the refuge of the essential nature, Buddha nature, Dharma nature. These are words 
So being with the breathing at the nostrils, notice if one's, so there's the course in and out, but for example, if one is just in that one little area, as awareness just stays with it, one then will start to notice more the subtleties of the breath energy, the vibratory energy. What the Buddha called the breath element, he called it vayodatu, the wind element, is that which is vibratory. The coarse breath brings that vibratory vitality. In, in the mindfulness of the body, we're directly connecting with these elemental sensations. And even though the breath is swelling and subsiding in and out within that butto, the awareness just steadies itself. Then if you notice, the, from that knowing, understanding the third step and fourth step, I shall breathe in and out. This is where it shifts to a training. We're, we're making an effort. Breathe in and out, experiencing the whole body. Or another translation would be, it's sabakaya patisangwedi whole body learning to be sensitive to the body. So we're also learning to let the awareness, which might be in some particular part from time to time, we're allowing the awareness to, through relaxation, open and expand. So the blessing of that energy blesses the whole of the body. This is where the Juna's yoga was so wonderful. This is so mm, what's the word congruent, so supportive of the deepening skill of what the Buddha called samadhi. This gathering when we when our moments of mindfulness, just being with how things are, start to as we're just patient with moments. Use the body a lot, whatever the mood we're in or circumstance, use the body a lot to return to here. As these moments, we get lost, we begin again, take a deep breath, ask the question, as Don was saying, how is it now? Reestablish, patiently welcoming these little drops of mindfulness start to flow and there's more of a gatheredness. And with the, if our samadhi is just located in one tiny little place, it's more fragile. It still can be quite peaceful, but it can be very fragile. When we also learn to widen the awareness to include the whole of the body, when that composure and breath energy suffuses through the whole body, then there's a deeper resilience, a deeper groundedness. The yoga that we did today was also encouraging our awareness. Notice she would, she didn't just say, be mindful of the whole body and relax and be done with it. She's very skillful. She would encourage, you know, we were working with a, a toe, a heel, a foot, a knee, a joint, a breath, a coordinating with the breath, 
one side, the other side, and little by little getting the feeling for coaxing, coaxing the body into presence, welcoming the body into awareness. One of the important blessings of this training is, is, is beginning to access, a, it was a turning point in the Buddha's own life too, a pleasure that's blameless, that wells up from within, that's not depending on exploiting and grasping something out there. It's working with something really simple. We'll explore the coming days, the steadying ourselves, being with the breathing, with a different part of the body, then also practicing widening the awareness, and as one wides, relaxing, allowing that sense of energy to, and those sensations to mingle with the rest of the body. I encourage one to do that yoga and realize we're working with the same principle of awareness, of breathing, and the subtle breath. The subtle breath is the sensations, the vibratory qualities that the energy flows. And to be kind and welcome and if, if you understand one thing well, you understand everything that, that all, that what comes goes. We're, we're just building a foundation. But we don't have to wait till, till we get perfect samadhi to be able to recognize that every breath, every sound, every mood shows us this, what appears, dissolves. Every bhutto, every mantra, bhutto, arises, dissolves, and each one takes us home. Each sound. We listen to it, savor it, it appears, it dissolves, and what remains? Oh, this kaleidoscope of experience is, is happening within a shining jewel of a measureless jewel. How wide is our, is our wakefulness? Is there an edge on it? And as we encounter, we'll encounter the whole second tetrad is about feeling. Especially these first few days, some uncomfortable feeling comes. And I'm encouraging you, you know, to be gentle with oneself. Work with the schedule. But we don't need to panic with discomfort. Because the mind can say, oh, I don't feel good and... What does it say that this is breathing in and out, experiencing? Sometimes that's translated as rapture. Thank goodness this is joy. But we think, God. 
But even if it's uncomfortable, what's being pointed to here is when you welcome things, breathing in and out, even if it's uncomfortable, the seed of, of titti, what the Buddha called rapture or joy, is just savoring it, allowing ourselves to subtly enjoy just being awake, even though what's not comfortable. Learning to relax with it is very important in that metabolizing that we're together, we're like trees that purify the air. We're purifying all this karmic, undigested stuff, not only our own, but of our culture, of our society, all that we bring with us. These first few days, we're doing a service for ourselves and each other as we breathe in and out and let each butto or each, each phrase that helps us just remember to, to honor this moment, that any moment that we really touch with this reverential Everything is sacred. The heart that is just as if for the first time experience what is an in-breath, what is an out-breath, that 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 sort of quality of presence blesses. That's the Bhagavato. That's the Bhagava. That's the blessed one that we align with when we do this practice. So I encourage us, be patient. And I, again, is why I started with a grateful namo tasa bhagavato arahato samasambuddhasa because these practices keep deepening. And it's something so simple as training ourselves to learn how to be simple with an in and an out breath. Little by little, this, this, this practice deepens. We'll make it so more and more as our life unfolds, we're able to return to a sacred ground that's rejuvenating, that's healing, that blesses. So, congratulations for making it through our first day and night together. May the goodness. of our efforts to metabolize all these unmet, undigested moods and sensations. May this goodness through the ease of each out-breath be shared with one another, with all beings, not through straining, just as we relax. May the goodness of what we're doing, may that blessing
naturally extend. Above, below and all around. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.